I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, I am sitting on my favorite bench overlooking the vast Pacific here in Australia. And it's one of these glorious Australian days where the sky is an almost uninterrupted blue. And there's one little cloud hovering to my left, kind of over my left shoulder. And as I look out to the horizon, there are just a couple of little boats and then a bank of white, puffy, pink clouds, pinkish clouds hovering on the horizon. This is a time when there are whales in the, in the area. And yesterday I saw several whales quite close. And they were breaching and breaching and breaching. And... It was one of those spectacles that you feel kind of registers in your very cells. And when you see a whale breach like that, the force of its ejecting itself from the water, the force of its coming up with a kind of sea spray and then landing with an even bigger sea spray is just extraordinary. So I feel very blessed to be here. Absolutely. But, you know, maybe like for most people, some mornings are hard. And yesterday morning was one such morning. You may have this experience where you wake up and it just feels like the weight of things impacts you and, you know, weighs you down. I just lost a dear friend, which I spoke about in my previous podcast, and... So that's part of it. You know, I always used to just feel her there a few doors down from me. And it's strange now walking by the house and there being nobody there in the way that it used to be. And so I think that's part of it. And then there are just a few other things that are kind of weighing on me and making me a bit anxious. And so I woke up feeling that. And I don't know about you, dear listener, but it's interesting when you feel that kind of weight I feel it most often in the mornings, and when I wake up, I feel tired. And, you know, they talk about the body-mind connection, and it's something I kind of ask myself about, you know, and ponder as I experience my own life and these kinds of things, is that I wonder, well, is it just because I'm tired that I feel sad or a bit depressed or anxious or is it because I feel those things that I feel tired and I kind of ponder the way that it you know the way that these seem to sort of go together so I don't know really the answer but I've just observed the phenomenon of it so I woke up yesterday morning feeling that and one of the things that I had to do yesterday was uh was to go and play I was scheduled to play at an assisted living residence in this area where I live. And it's a residence that is home to people with dementia. This particular unit, part of this facility and where I play, uh, is for people who have dementia in fairly 
and in varying stages. So I taught a little bit, a lesson or two, and then I got myself ready to go. And it was the morning, so I was still feeling a bit tired, and I went and took a bus and went there. And I played there before, so I knew that it was something that I'd had some beautiful experiences at. Um, but it's very interesting because it's somehow easy to forget sometimes. I don't know if you have this sort of experience that when something really extraordinary happens, you know, as we then return to our day-to-day lives, one's own life, that the impact and um, profundity and inspiration of of an experience that has touched us can, can sort of evaporate amidst the goings-on, you know, and demands and, yes, anxieties and whatever else one deals with, of, you know, in everyday life. So anyway, I arrived there yesterday morning and was a bit tired and one thing that I noticed was that the piano had been tuned, which was really lovely. It's It looks to be a piano that's at least 100 years old, possibly more, possibly 120 years old, possibly even more. It's got this extraordinarily beautiful wood finish, a kind of finish that you don't see really anymore. And, you know, frankly, ivory keys, that's what they made keys out of uh, back then. But it... Um, and fortunately, they don't do that anymore. But it marked it as a, uh, as you know, an historic instrument. And so I sat down, and my back was facing the semicircle of residents who were there, already anticipating my performance. And what's interesting too, dear listeners, that I've noticed, observed over all the experiences that I've had playing in many different places for people with dementia, people in their older years, nursing homes and assisted living residences and so on, is that most of the residents are actually women. The, they're very, uh, relatively speaking, there are very few men. The ratio might be somewhere between 1 in 8 to 1 in 10 men to women. I mean, maybe a bit maybe a bit more than that but it, it's striking to me it's just interesting usually they're women usually mo- they're mostly women that I play for but often you know just a couple of men so that was the case yesterday there were actually um, three two I think two men and then all of the other residents were women and what was wonderful as I would learn oh, there were three three men and then perhaps 20 women uh, 15 to 20 women, 15 women maybe. So what was beautiful as I would start to feel, hear, and, and realize was that the men who were there were quite active and interested and inspired to sing. So I began to hear their baritone and bass baritone and bass voices coming through and they began to come through together with some of the women's as I played the favorites that I have grown to learn and play for people, especially in later years, songs that are beloved and familiar, and their songs like My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean, songs like It's a Long Way to Tipperary, or... My Wild Irish Rose, or 
give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play. And I sing these songs to the residents, and regardless of their condition, of whatever quote-unquote stage their dementia has progressed to, the vast majority of them sing with me. They sing the words, they know the words, they remember the words, and they sing with great delight. So it's that experience that I was so touched by yesterday and that's compelled me to make this podcast because what happened was really, really extraordinary. You know, I arrived there feeling sad, you know, somewhat anxious, tired, sat down at the piano and began to play. And what I did was sort of, I made it a little bit easier for myself in the sense that I was a bit tired, so I didn't do a lot of singing at the beginning. I just did a lot of playing. And what's really beautiful, you know, that I find is that when I'm just playing instrumental pieces, people really enjoy that. So I have this beautiful sort of blessed ability to be able to, you know, sing for people, but also just to play and to create sorts of sound landscapes and, and musical landscapes inspired by some of the melodies that I just mentioned to you. So I started with that and enjoyed doing that and seemed like people were relaxing into it as well. And then I began to sing a little bit to everybody and I went through some of the songs, the familiar songs, and then began to kind of enter into a little bit of a different mood. Um, from the point of view that the songs that I began to sing were a little bit more sad, a little bit more melancholy, and some of the classic melodies and songs that fit that description are songs like Danny Boy and songs like Loch Lomond. So these are songs that come from the British Isles. They come from a time when people were experiencing enormous hardship They talk about the effects of war, of death, of separation, of long-lost love. I mean, they are touching in a way that little else can be. And so I began and I started to sing and play Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from glen to glen and o'er the mountain side. And I played that, and I could see the people begin to sing and feel and know that music. And when I ever, whenever I play Danny Boy, for me, it, it sort of comes along almost as a natural medley with the Scottish ballad, Loch Lomond. And that is really, really, really something. It goes, you take the high road. And I'll take the low road And I'll be in Scotland before you For me and my true love will never meet again On the bonny, bonny banks of Loch And I was kind of half singing that and half playing it, dear listener, and something extraordinary happened because as I just melted in a way into my playing of the melody on that old piano 
my back turned because that was the that's how the piano was situated. My back was to everybody, right? But they were behind me in the semicircle. I began to hear their voices rise. And they rose from the depths of their hearts as they were singing. What I felt was something that was like being held on the surface, up on the surface of the ocean, like rising up from the depths where it had been dark and murky. And all those voices were like buoys floating me up. And their sound, the sound of those people singing Loch Lomond as I played, was extraordinary. I felt I was surrounded and penetrated with, infused with the feeling of the sound of the piece, of the sound, the words that they were singing, the incredible ballad, this beautiful, heart-rending song that they all knew, and I felt that the sound of their, their singing just bring me up, like I suddenly was carried by something. And then at a certain point, I kept going, and I felt better, you know, I felt a lot better. And I kept going, and after a few minutes, a woman came over. Sometimes that happens. So I've played a lot for people with dementia, and I recognize that dementia can kind of create certain different sorts of behavior. I've become so familiar with the experience of being with people with dementia that that I understand, you know, I, it's familiar to me. You may hear the ocean in the background as I'm telling you this. But what happened, okay, was that as I kept playing, a woman came over, and she stood next to the piano, upright piano, and looked at me with piercing blue eyes. She was a fairly slight woman with kind of long brown-gray hair, and she put her hand on the piano and watched me intently as I played. And I kept going. I just kept going, and I looked at her, and she looked at me and my fingers as I played. And after a moment, she said to me, That's beautiful. I mean, there were tears in her eyes, and there are tears in mine as I'm telling you this. She said, that's beautiful. And she said more things to me. She said more things to me. And all I could do was just let it in. I just let it in. I just let it in. She smiled, and she she, she moved close to my head, okay? She moved very close to me, almost like whispering in my ear. And she said, you're a lovely girl. I can tell. You're a lovely girl. You're so nice. And dear listener, I have to tell you that I experienced that woman as pouring love into me. She was pouring love 
into me as I played. And she just kept going. She just kept going. She said other things. She sang a little bit as I was singing and playing. But she was running an almost parallel narrative to my performance. And what was really interesting was because what she was doing was purely an expression of utmost love, I could carry the music and continue performing and continue singing and feel and hear what she was saying and what she was expressing simultaneously, almost like a Bach fugue where there are two melodies going at once, both enhancing each other and continuing on in this beautiful interwoven way. So, you know, dear listener, that people sometimes, as I've said before, they'll say, well, it's a wonderful thing, you know, that you go and play for people who have these difficulties, and it's experiences like this, exactly experiences like this, that make me realize that my response is apt when... When I hear that comment, which is a natural comment for somebody to make, because the fact is that I'm blessed, that I am often blessed in extraordinary and unexpected ways when I play for people with dementia, people with disabilities, people who are late in years, you know, I don't know if many of us realize the extraordinary resource and value and deep human meaning of relationships, of what these relationships with people who are otherwise not really any longer considered to be active members, quote-unquote, of society. I mean, I just say that in huge quotes. But look at what can happen it's life-changing, it's life-enhancing, it's like the greatest gift I could imagine, that I would wake up yesterday morning feeling how I did, burdened, sad, anxious, tired, and I would go, and this woman would come over to me and literally pour love into me, absolutely, unhesitatingly, ongoingly over the course of minutes and minutes and minutes as I was playing she did that and at the end I stood up and she came even closer and put her cheek to my cheek and her lips to my cheek and she gave me this beautiful kiss and she said that was really really beautiful thank you so much And interestingly, afterwards, one of the nurses, one of the staff came to me and said, you know, that woman who came to you, she actually has a very hard time saying anything. She has a very hard time expressing herself in words. And when I heard that, I could hardly believe it. Because that woman was absolutely clear she was absolutely lucid 
and she was full of the most beautiful, beautiful sentiment and emotion and love and care for me. So that, dear listeners, is what I wanted to share with you. Because these moments are like heaven on earth. I think that's what heaven is like. What heaven will be like and what it is like. A moment like that, when someone pours love into you, as if, and you just become a kind of open vessel receiving it with the utmost sense of awe and gratitude. So with that, I'll bid you adieu and wish you a wonderful day or night whenever you're listening to this and say thank you for listening. And I wish you the very, very, very best now and always, now and always. God bless you. Bye for now. Bye.